Hello, hello. Hello again. Scotty, are you recording now? Uh, John, everything about me is going. I mean, you've had, you've so far had flat headphones, uh, flat recording device. The only thing that needs to go flat now is your head. Uh, that that happened. And, and I learned... Uh, yeah, the batteries for your head there, are done. There's a reason for this. My wife, who witnessed this and was laughing, says... I'll blame your wife. Blaming your wife. If you let me finish, she says, Uranus is in opposition. And I said, well, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? But apparently that's some astrological thing, or maybe it's Uranus, I don't know. But anyway, that's that explains today's false starts. But we're going to have a good start and let you go ahead and tell us how you've been motoring down the M1. Oh, dear, very, very British reference there to the M1. Is so that you, not you, good? Uh-huh. You're, you're giving, you're giving an, you know, your understanding of, of Britain and its, and its motorway system. So uh, that is that is well impressive. Well done, John. Well done. That's... Uh, I hope that you've just not peaked too early in this show, because that would be really sad. <laughs> no, no, I have plenty of good material. <laughs> oh, I see. That came from the good material box, did it? <laughs> oh, fuck. You know, Scotty, oh, you know, we're going to have a little intervention here. You know, this this withering <laughs> abuse is just getting to be a little bit too much. I have enough abuse from the, the San Francisco school board, but we'll talk about that later. Do, do go on and tell us about how you've entered the 19th century, computing-wise. I, I have, John. I, I, I have now in front of me a shiny new M1 um, MacBook Air. Um, it's for a client project um, that uh, they're working on, so um, it's specifically for that, just the certain client's workers on it. Um, but that's great because it means, you know, the, the, um, I can get to try it out and decide if I'm uh, ready for this M1 revolution. And I have to say, uh, so far... Um, it has been an incredibly good little machine. Um, this is the first time I've had the new, I know the, um, uh, the latest MacBook Pros, Intel MacBook Pros got the new keyboard, but this is the first time I've been on the new keyboard. My 2018 MacBook Pro is still on the shitty keyboard. Um, and it's great. Uh, the the keyboard's really nice. Uh, the Magic 2 keyboard is my favorite keyboard and that's what I normally use as an external and it's pretty identical feel to that so that's perfect for me um uh the machine is a nice size the screen is good I mean that's all just there um, and it um in certain areas just runs like a rocket the particular client uh, project that uh, I'm working on um uh, on my 2018 Core i9 6 Core i9 32 gig of RAM MacBook Pro would build in 3 minutes 49 from a clean build. Whereas on this you know, entry-level MacBook Air, it has got the 16 gig of RAM, but that's the only update. Um, it builds in 1 minute 46. Wow. So, you know, that's a significant difference. Are you going to use the time savings and put it towards something useful? Yes. I will be able to introduce more bugs faster. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I guess, but there are there are issues. Uh, I mean, obviously, my my DTK died a few months ago, and to be honest, I've not really been doing any iOS development with the DTK. I'd only been doing Mac development uh, and trying some things out there. So, I am trying to. Um, there, there is an issue, of course, that by default, a lot of things, particularly if you use external dependencies through CocoaPods or something like that. Um, obviously, you have fat, fat frameworks where you have a um, a version of the framework to run in on the device in ARM sixty four, and a version of the framework to run on the simulator at x eighty six. 
Um, but of course, on the um, M1, the simulator is an x86. So if you have, if you're not building your frameworks from source, and you're using some cocoa pods that have binary frameworks in, if they've not been set up to contain um, uh, an ARM64 simulator part of the framework, part of the FAT framework, then you cannot run the uh, code in the simulator. So funnily enough, uh, you know, it's uh, the project I'm on right now. I can I can run the, run it on my device very happily, but I cannot yet run it in the simulator until I till I deal with my FAT frameworks, as they say. Uh, but other than that, it's it's Mac OS as we know it. It's um, the MacBook Air is a nice machine. I'm I'm sort of sat here with it next to my 15 inch MacBook Pro, and yes, the screen is smaller. Um, obviously, 13 inches and 15 inches, but I'm not sure. I mean, I I tend to work at my desk with something plugged into a monitor. So I think I could live with this 13-inch screen. I haven't had a 13-inch laptop in a long, long time. Um, so I think I could live with this 13-inch screen if I was having to work just on the laptop, as opposed to you know, then have the reduced size of the 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 Mac compared to the the MacBook Pro. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm feeling um, that I might might be heading towards one of these for all my own stuff as well. I mean, I'm obviously going to give it a few weeks. I've only had it a few days. Um, but I mean, you know, I think my you know, my my MacBook Pro was a f- you know four thousand dollar computer. It was maxed out, whereas I think it was fourteen hundred bucks or something for you know this one. So it's you know, um, it, it almost it's like uh, you know if it lasts eighteen months or whatever, then it's still cheaper. <laughs> so yeah, so it's um, I mean outside of that, um, I. Using things like CocoaPods, this project uses CocoaPods and Homebrew, they all still don't work yet. So there is a little bit of a an issue there. But if you run, you can run Terminal under Rosetta. Then, of course, if you're running Terminal under Rosetta, it will do everything under Rosetta. So you can uh, get everything working that way as long as you remember to always use the Rosetta version of Terminal, not the native version of Terminal. Is there Otherwise, something... you start screwing things up. That's that's an important detail I'm curious about. You know, how there are Terminal extensions that allow you to, to like, for instance, when I'm doing, a, you know, Node development work, I don't know how it's done magically through a colleague, but it basically shows you which version of Node you're running on and, and what Git branch you're on and where you are. Is there something similar for Terminal that can tell you whether you're running under under Rosetta or not? No, what I've done, someone may know a better way of doing this, and I'm totally open to it, is basically to run Terminal Rosetta, you have to click, right-click on it, get info, and tick the Run Under Rosetta box. So what I've done is I've duplicated the Terminal app, and I've co- called it Terminal underscore Rosetta, and then I've ticked that box on it, so it's permanently on there. But it is sometimes difficult to know, because obviously it's still begin- it's a Terminal app, it's still going to be sharing... Um, settings with um the non rosetta terminal app if you know what i mean because it's not it's running under rosetta as opposed to being a rosetta app so you do have to be careful to make sure that you are in the right um terminal window uh when you do something um but of course because i actually renamed the um the application to terminal underscore Rosetta, when I do the command tab to cycle through the applications to go back, if I do happen to have multiple terminals open, then one is native and one is Rosetta. Obviously, it will come up with the same icon, but one will say underneath it terminal and one will say terminal Rosetta. So I have 
a couple of times typed into the wrong place, but sometimes it's fine because as long as you're not doing anything that's going to reconfigure the machine, you're often okay. Or worst case scenario, it just fails and you don't don't that doesn't really matter. So um, yeah, so it that's that's been reasonably successful, I think. Um, so yeah, time will tell whether I start screwing up of course the question i'm going to have is as things like homebrew and cocoa pods become uh, more m1 compliant um how is the transition going to be do i now i've installed under rosetta do i need to do something dramatic because one of my problem with the command line tools and things like ruby and cocoa pods and all that is once they're in (laughs) hard to get out yeah um and um you know in, in you you end up with bits all over your machine and whatever else and i've often found that you know if uh, not necessarily coca pods but things like um nvm and homebrew if they start getting a mess then you're really down into clean install mode um which i guess as this this machine is for a particular project and therefore it's you know it's a very focused machine um you know, a rebuild wouldn't take too long. It's not like you have to rebuild years of personal data or something. You just need to get the repos back on and the four or five tools we use and run again. So that could be a thing. But on my own machine where there's everything on there, um, who knows? So uh, early early signs are it's, it's um, yeah, it's it's a lovely little machine. Um, I um, I really like it. And um, uh, it's, it's nice thing is it's satisfied my desire to have you know the m1 thing so i can now personally wait and see what happens around june time although i am sat here with a uh, a 15 inch macbook pro that was i said four thousand dollars two years ago two and a half years ago it's got six seven months of um, apple care left on it it's only gonna decrease in value and as soon as a 15 inch m1 comes out or an m2 or whatever they're using it it's going to have virtually no value so there is part of me that says get rid of it now anyway to someone who needs an Intel Mac still. Um, buy a M1 Mac Mini or a, um, the um, a MacBook Air that I've got here. And if in June they they do bring out a you know a far better MacBook Pro or whatever else, I'm picking June because it's sort of normal dub tub time. But sometime in this yeah this year, let's say, um, then um, you know really i've probably not lost that much because <laughs> the the m1 macbook air will still have some value that could be sold for whereas the macbook pro wouldn't have done so yeah i'm still a bit torn on that torn between two lovers wondering what to do something like that yeah because i have a i have an intel mac mini so i do have an intel machine for doing intel build chesting and intel builds on so i don't have to keep my laptop but um, funny enough, this is this say four thousand dollar machine, two and a half years old. It was bought in October eighteen, so yeah, two about two and a half years old. Um, so I went to see. Well, if I just trade it in, if I trade it in on the Apple website for a new MacBook Air, um, you know, but that might just be the easy way. You don't have to sell it. You just put it in a box. You send it back. You're all done. Do you know how much Apple said this machine was worth? No, how much? It said your machine is ready for recycling. <laughs> 
It's like the only value is the aluminum in the case. That was it. I mean, we, we've determined that is... we've determined that the code is, that has been developed on this machine has poisoned the processors to such an extent that they must be melted down. It's yeah, and the machine is in absolutely perfect condition. It's been I've kept it in the case all the time. I do look after my laptops pretty well. It had a keyboard fault. It had these the crappy keyboard keyboard fault so literally a month ago it had a brand new keyboard and all the rest put in so all that is shiny new but it's still as far as apple's concerned absolutely worthless i think if i sell it through one of these sort of like we'll just give you cash via mac things it's worth about you know eleven twelve hundred dollars maybe so i mean it's close i could almost just swap it for one so there we are we'll see well scotty i'm glad that you, you you've advanced so that's that's uh my heart that's that's my hardware week. So, um, and I've been doing some software stuff as well. But I, let's, you know, let's move to you because John, I would not wish to hog the limelight on this show like I do all the time. You mean? I didn't say anything. I just said let's go to you because I don't want to hog the limelight. Okay. If you're sat there with a guilty conscience, <laughs> that's up to you. <laughs> I am a sat there with a guilty conscience. I had a few small triumphs this week, um, uh, and it's it's always just kind of sweating these details, and sometimes they seem stupid. But then I found one where it was very clear um, that it was just a necessary change. But you know, uh, there is an A/B test that has been productized on Android, and now it's being tested on iOS, and um, it changes it changes a lot about how you navigate through titles. So it it, it has a lot of impact. Um, and as is generally the case, when you you change the layout of something, that can drastically you know alter the mental model that people who use VoiceOver have of your app. Right? They know that you know launch the app, swipe three things to the left to to go down three rows, tap here, you know double tap there, blah blah blah. Right? And so uh, when you change it, it can be disturbing, and that's kind of the the insidious thing with A/B tests because. It does change layouts for them, and 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 you have to because that's how you're going to find new 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 ways of doing things. But it can be really problematic if you skip on some of the details, some of these hooks that make navigation possible. And so, there is, I think, a generalized problem, a generalized pattern that exists in apps where you may have a collection view or a table view where you're scrolling through through you know rather long list of information. Hopefully, you're using header you know headers to be able to make it quick to navigate. So in our world, that means like you know navigating through rows on the grid from you know previews to continue watching to my list to to crime to comedy so on and so forth. And then you have titles that are in each row. So it's a pretty well developed mental model. And then as you're you're swiping and navigating. And it comes times like, hey, this is something new. I want to find out some more information. And that's where you, you know, will select an item and you give it a trait that says button, for example, and then you'll double tap and then up will, you'll navigate away to some type of new information system. So if you're sighted, you know, that you, you, you will, there's a lot of clue that's given to, to how the navigation works. Does it push in a navigation stack? Does it have an overlay? If it's an overlay, is it a full screen overlay or is it something like an action sheet where it just, you know, only partially covers the screen? So those those are important details. And there are certain cues that that are given uh, with voiceover in terms of audio cues to say when the, when a, when a change is made. But that that is largely helps when you know it's it, it's it's not really possible for somebody who who can't see to know that 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 bop, 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 that little audio cue says that the entire screen has changed or whether something is visible or not. So that that's a little bit tricky. And then the other thing too is that let's say that you've gone to inspect something. And then now uh, you want to go back to the to the kind of the the list view. So you've gone from detail to list view. 
if you're sighted, you would you would really hate it if when returning it scrolled all the way to the top of the list. But that absolutely can happen with voiceover if you're not careful. And that was something that we were, you know, I, I noticed when I was doing an audit of something and, and you know, a lot of time people would say, well, why do you care? You know, it's like that, that looks good to me. And that's kind of the, the, the empathy trick. And that's why you have to spend a lot of time making screen movies, just showing the before and after and explaining it to it and finding an, an, an analogy, analogy for it. Um, and this something is, is particular with, with something that we are making uh, use of, these action sheets, because they are really, really helpful. If you look at, you know, modern apps, there's a lot of times where you need a quick interaction. You don't want to really obscure the entire screen. You want to get in there very quickly. The The animations are such that they, they kind of speak to the idea of get in, get out. Or if you want to get more details, maybe swipe up and let it, you know, fill out the view a little bit more. So um, I think that's great. It makes the app really fluid and dynamic and there's no reason why to you want to exclude people who use voiceover for example so i i was trying to think well what's the the way to solve this problem and and why did it work beforehand and that's where it can become a little bit tricky because apple really does a, a very good job of trying to intuit you know what what it should do and it seems that you know it's a very well worn path if you're using full screen you know uh, presentations it's this partial screen, especially if you need to do custom animations, you may not go through the, the well-worn path of, of Apple you know, uh, view controller presentation. If that's the case, and then once again, you're reminded of, of details that, that Apple took care of for you that now you have to take care of yourself. And so I was thinking, okay, what should I do? Should I hold on to the index path? But then there's two index paths you have to, to deal with in this case because you have a collection view of collection views. And in the end, I, I decided to, to make it a little bit more generic and to be able to have an optional uh, property on the, on this action sheet controller. You can send it the, essentially send it the view that you want to pass focus to when voiceover is running, if it's there and, and it's being dismissed. And then the, 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 the change is profound. It's really lovely. It's, it, it took a little while for me to get it working. Uh, but when it started working, it was grand. So that made me very happy. Um, and then the other thing is uh, back to, to, to voice control because, you know, it's, it's, it's like one of those things where, um, again, you do tests, you make changes, and and you know assumptions are made about you know you use reusable components, and sometimes the assumptions that you have about that breaks a little bit. Um, and uh, so there are a couple of places there where the accessibility was off because it made some assumptions about what the accessibility label would be. And this is a this is a pretty common problem with voice control. The voice control for our fractional listeners is fairly recent technology that allows you to use voice to navigate your app. And there are kind of keywords that exist. So you can say, you know, scroll up, scroll down, um, swipe up, swipe down, those type of things, and then tap. So tap is everything. So basically, if you see something on the screen that has a label, you can say tap, you know, whatever. Um, so if you're like, for instance, you know, uh, you've signed into the app and you have what's called profiles gate where you select the profile, each of the profiles has a label. So you can say tap John, it selects John profile. It's great. Wonderful. Now then all of a sudden you might see the billboard, which is the large part of the screen at the top. And then there's like an info button. There's a play button. Um, and so that's all pretty good. Um, but then there's places where where if you've already watched the title, it may say resume versus play. And, and, there, and there's a case where you might use the accessibility label to have a more complete title so that a voiceover user would say, hey, if I tap play, you know, I tap on this button, it's going to play the specific title. The problem where that has offers contention with with voiceover is that you're seeing what the title is, and and but the way that voice control sees it is what the accessibility label. And since the accessibility label is not normally shown, um, 
that's where it can say, hey, I, I said tap play and it didn't work. Now, to get around that, Apple put into this this their software, you know, the, the ability to say show names, in which case it will actually display the accessibility label for each item on the screen. It's great. It's wonderful. It's actually it's really kind of really fascinating just to see how they do it. And especially with tightly tight, compact user interface items, the way that they'll kind of get the arrows to work, whoever worked on that brilliant job, I think. Um, so and that also helps in cases where you have just icons and there are no labels. Um, and because you can look at an icon, you don't really know how to describe it. So the only way to find out how the developer describes it is if they were kind enough to have put an accessibility label on it. So anyway, this is a case where, you know, you basically have to say, well, here's this new technology and the way you adapt it for voiceover in certain contexts may absolutely break it for another accessibility, you know, another adaptive technology like voiceover or sorry, voice control in another one. And unfortunately, I've discovered that there, whereas it's possible to know that voiceover is running or if dynamic type is enabled, so on and so forth, there's no similar API uh, when voice control is running. And I don't know. I don't know why. In fact, there's no, there's no API. There's no real, you know, there's no additional, uh, how do I say, API of any kind to be able to offer assistance to, to, to voice control. My guess is because it's still relatively new and maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe Apple feels there's nothing additional that needs to be done or they know best, or or who knows, maybe there's some security issue with it. But the reason that came up is because voice is really a powerful way of, of navigating an app. It's also just a, a powerful way of, of turning an app into a service. I think Siri is really good that you can say, hey, Siri, you know, what's the weather? And it knows what it's what what it needs to do. Uh, and your apps can, can do those types of things. Well, well, you need to pause. You need to pause. Our fractional listener is just finding out what the weather is in their time right now. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's true. I forgot about okay, that. Okay. Now, 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 you, now you can continue. Uh, that's true. That's, that's Siri bombing or Alexa bombing. It's just a fun thing to do when you're on a Zoom call. And it's like, you know, and, 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 and it's also, it's kind of a, a cheap way to find out, you know, who, what a, a person's preference in, 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 corporate spyware is it's like are they an alexa are they a google or are they a siri but anyway, so. there's a person on the person on a project team that uh, i'm currently working on that's just adopted a dog and the dog is called alaska and of course they have an alexa and so that the house is very confused at the moment to whether the the speaker is sitting or whether the dog is playing music <laughs> that's funny that is good anyway continue yeah no so that, that's it so these are these are things um and they just there's small details, but small details especially matter. And it's, it's somebody posted something I thought was really great that Nike, and I'll put it in the show notes, but Nike has a brand new shoe that was designed that, you know, was designed for, for, for people who really, you know, find it hard to, you know, to, to put on, on classic, you know, training shoes of any kind, you know, and, and things have become easier over the years. It used to be you had to lace things up and then we moved to Velcro and then we moved to kind of completely laceless shoes but even getting your foot in there can be difficult so they made one which kind of has a cantilever and this is a, a another classic case where you design for a very specific need and think well okay it's good i've designed for that specific need but that specific need becomes an absolute kind of hit product for everyone else i mean the, the up until now the classic example has been oxo good grips which is this this brand of kitchen tools that was invented by this guy who was a you know an, an inventor and his wife loved to cook and she suffered terribly from arthritis and so she had a hard time kind of grasping a classic you know vegetable peeler and so he said well he goes into the his his work shed 
grabs a kind of a motorcycle, you know, rubber handle thing and uses that as a prototype and ends up making something that was designed for this specific thing for her. But it's a huge hit product. It's just more comfortable for everyone. So and I, I, always, I, I always love finding examples like that that help people understand why this stuff matters and, and to turn it around from being like, well, oh, here's something we have to do because it's the right thing to do for this tiny subset of people. It's like, nope. It, when you did this stretching your design mind always makes it better for everyone so I'll, that's the end of my speech for the morning with i mean I, i've not i've i've not looked into voiceover at all other than obviously i know a reasonable about it because you've told me about it along with other accessibility things um but so but there, there is no api to assist with voiceover which may i guess may or may not come but it, there, does your app even know it's using voiceover or is that a system level in your app never knows uh it's it's uh your voiceover is, is the sorry, one voice that, control yeah, voice yeah, control sorry. It, it's voice. A, it, to make it more confusing you know voiceover has like the smooshed together you know two words with whatever mixed capital case and then voice controls two words so that's you can see where it falls on the the naming fashion and the answer is no i mean there there's no there there's like for instance ui accessibility voiceover is running there's that function you can ask which is very helpful because oftentimes it is important to make adaption adaptations you know when you know it's running um, because there there may be things that could be potentially expensive that's like hey don't need to run those cycles if it's not needed or you might change the order of things to make it more convenient there's a classic example that we have is that audio description is a kind of synthetic genre it's not kind of crime or comedy or drama or something but it basically just says that these are titles that have audio descriptions. That's critically important. Um, and so it just so happened that under normal circumstances, it's the last on the list. So if you really depend on that, if you're using voiceover, chances are you probably really you know appreciate audio description. So when voiceover is running, we make sure it goes to the top. Um, so that so you know there are there there are good reasons why knowing that a certain adaptive technology is in use that you may change things a little bit. Even that there's a subtle argument that says nope you should you know you should make your app always work you know universally for all. In other words, don't kind of lock out people um, because because you know you determine that something is running because some you know in, in many ways you could say hey if I know voiceover is running you could say. No need to load images, no need to have these fancy layouts, no need to care about animation timing. But if you do that, then you end up in effect having two different applications, kind of the, the, the you know, one that's designed for, for people who are blind or low vision and then the one for, for other people. You don't really want to do that. For whatever reason, there's just not an equivalent for voice control. And that is kind of unfortunate because of these cases where what you what you label something for a sighted user where there's an icon and a label or there's some type of visual context, it makes it very clear if you're sighted what you're going to tap, you know, and, and what's going to happen to it. Because if you see, for instance, that there's a play button and it's within some type of grouped view and that grouped view has the title of, of, of something, it's pretty obvious that if you tap play, that what's going to play is the thing within that group. If you don't, if you're unable to see it, then you may not know what that, that grouping is. So depending on how the user navigated to them, it might cause a problem. The other thing, too, is you might imagine that there's a grid of icons and maybe a row of play buttons, which is the case we have for continue watching, you know, since that's very, you know, in that particular case, tapping anywhere on the thumbnail will just begin playback because that's kind of really what people want. If if something is in the continue watching row, they've already made the decision to, to, to watch it, and so we should reduce friction. So, Imagine that you have a row, you know, in a collection view, and each of the labels is called play. 
if you were to say tap play, you've got the Alexa dog problem. It was like, well, which one of these are, do you want to play? And that's why having a specific label is actually helpful. And, um, and so, but then you, then, then you get into contentions. Like, do you serve the, the needs of somebody who's using voiceover? Do you serve somebody who's using voice control? Now, the reality is... Well, this is, is what I think. This is why I think, actually, I, I think having the ability to, to say someone's using voice control and maybe give them the option as opposed to do it by default to have a, a different UI. Because, you know, for voiceover, you know, a, a UI with voiceover. Now, obviously, this is a sighted person speaking, so uh, an unsighted person may totally say, I have no idea what I'm talking about, and I totally accept that. So this is like, you know, a sighted opinion as opposed to, you know, that you should. Um, you know, but, but voiceover can take quite a long time to run through a complex screen with a lot of elements. And so in many ways, simplifying the unnecessary or even changing the way things are grouped or whatever in, in the app for, for this being run over voiceover would actually make a slicker and better interface when, you know, things are being read out, less things are being read out because the, the sort of gumph that us sighted people uh, like to make things pretty is taken away. Equally, um, on the voice control stuff, um, you know, one of the reasons I think it would be good to know that things, something's under voice control is, you know, a lot of apps are very analytics, analytics driven about what they do and how they change. You know, what features they do next or improve or don't do is through analytics. And I think if you could have analytics that showed that your app had been gone through in voice control and then see people dropping out of the app very quickly, that would encourage people to sort of look at this and do it more. But if you never know that your app is in 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 voice control you're never going to know that's why people are dropping out your app so i think at least knowing that voice control is being used could be useful i agree yeah i think a couple of things on that one is that it's first of all it's possible to have multiple adaptive technologies at the same time so you you can have those two running um to your earlier point i i used to think that as well um because that's the you know you're absolutely right you know i can see um and so i don't i'm not going to understand things to somebody who's blind but there's a whole level of gradation between it because you know there's there's people with low vision and there's different levels of vision there's you can be considered legally blind if if your vision has a certain level but you can still make it which is why i would suggest it's a choice if you if if you detect voiceover is on you say would you like a you know you you ask the question would you you know would you like a reduced UI or a standard UI or something? Possibly, but to, to to finish what I was saying is that there are there are many cases where voiceover is used to help people who have low vision and and because of the the selection rectangle that that's there or the selection area. It's not it's not always a rectangle. It most most typically is though. But the other thing on your the other point is that. If you give the right accessibility hints and add the traits properly, you'd be amazed at how much faster somebody who's using voiceover can navigate your app than somebody with sight. Because if, like for headers, you can just swipe, swipe, swipe really quickly and you can jump through a lot of different information um, to get to someplace faster. That's kind of fascinating. That's that's one of the things that, that kind of makes it clear that if you understand it and see your user interface from a different perspective, it reveals some issues about the, the overall design and user experience. And it, it, it's a little bit difficult to, it's kind of like one of those things you hear me say, it's like, hear me now, believe me later, but it's totally true. But anyway, I don't want to go on forever about this, but some of our fractional listeners, Georg, I think likes this. Um, anyway, Back to you, Scotty. Well, you, you mentioned Georg. Okay, so, I mean, obviously, Georg is an old-timer like us, you know, yes. um, along with us. He spends his 
spends his time under the freeway with his, you know, alcohol in a brown paper bag. Um, <laughs> as, uh, He's going to kick your ass when he hears this. <laughs> well, you see, this is my revenge. He said on Twitter, he said, uh, I believe if I'd taken over money well, it would have been released two years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> if he'd taken over money well, it would have been taken over. It would have been released 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so Georg has been giving me some stick this week. See, that's because he came crawling out after, you know, you started, we started talking about Objective C last year and, and next and everything, you know, that woke him up from his slumber in his the granddad's armchair and, uh, <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and, and and got him spitting fire. And of course, you know, I was hoping that we could just talk about something else this week, and he would fall back asleep. But no, 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 you had to wake him up again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Georg. We're only joking. Yeah. Um. So what else? Oh, I was going to rant about one other thing. Or no, it's 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 getting time. I'll save my rant until next week. Um. But we'll see what happens with the lawsuit between the city of San Francisco and their school board. Is it? Oh yes, time is time has time has gone fast. Time has gone fast. Yes, and next week I will start talking about the the next phase of um, what we're doing in Moneywell that uh, could make Georg roll his eyes and say just release this thing. Well, oh, by Scotty, the way, it may not be Georg's turn to listen next week. I know, but as an assistant, as a, as a, as a helpful, you know. A uh, bit of assistance to those who want to to join Gayer in, in in piling trash and abuse upon you. How might they do that? Yes, if you want to tell me what a shit developer I am, then uh, please do that on Twitter. Where you could do it is Mac Devnet. <laughs> and John, if people want to to praise you uh, and to throw honor in your direction, how should they do that? Well, they should always do that in the place where all honorable discussions are held. Twitter, where you'll find me as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Well, John, your headphone batteries, your mic batteries, and your head batteries made it through the episode. We can be pleased with ourselves. Indeed. We can. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, uh, whoever's listening this week. Uh, We do appreciate it. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, we will try and get a few more listeners in so that your turn on the schedule can become less frequent for so that you uh, only have to suffer... A little bit now and again, but uh, thank you for bearing with us. And until next time, you take care. Thank you.